Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's worship and sing. Shout it out. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. Can I get a thumbs up if you're doing all right this morning? Awesome. Good. It's so good to see you guys. And what, didn't God bless us? 
blessed us with an amazing day to be able to come to, into this space, into his presence, be able to worship him today. Didn't he do awesome? Amen, amen. Well, we're excited to see you here and, and again, so thankful that you were able to come here today. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for joining us. We love our church and we love this place that God has given us and we are so excited that you're here to help celebrate and lift up the name of Jesus along with us. Um, but you might have questions about our church and what we do here and everything that's going on. And so we have a couple locations in our lobby where we can answer any type of question that you might have. We want to connect with you, we want to get to know you, but also want to be able to answer those questions. So feel free to stop by right after service, either one of these counters. There's going to be some people there to be able to do just that. We love people and we love to connect and we want to make sure that we do just that with you. But in our worship team, awesome. Aren't they awesome? They did it all great already and I know they got some more stuff for us. They're going to lead us there. But before they do that, I want to ask you guys to stand and we're going to ask God to anoint our services today. All right. So glad to see you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back together. As your church, as your kids, you got us back here in this space. And I'm so thankful for what you're about to do in our services today. So thankful, again, for all the people. I'm thankful for your presence. And I'm so thankful for the word that we're about to hear. So God, we want to make sure that we get everything that you want us to get today. So Open our hearts. Help us to be receptive to what you have to say as you teach us, God, as you lead us, God. Help us to be able to be the people that you want us to be so we can be a light to this world, God. Bless our pastor as he brings the message in your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise.
God, a God who is powerful when we are powerless. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever, forever.
for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Dear Lord, thank you for this place that we can come to worship you, to lift your name in praise. Lord, I know that in a group this large that there are many, many needs. Lord, I know that you are faithful and true. And you can meet our needs. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, if there's someone here 
who's never accepted you as their Savior. Lord, let today be the day when they can confess their sins and ask you to come into their hearts and their lives. Lord, I thank you so much for all you've done for, for all of us. Lord, I pray. I pray that needs will be met, hearts will be opened, and lives can be changed today for your kingdom. Lord, let us find your will for our life. Your purpose, you have a purpose for every one of us. Lord, help us find that purpose and let us follow you. Lord, thank you again for your love, your mercy and grace. We praise your name, Holy Father. Amen. God's in this place, but why wouldn't he be? It's his house, and today we're with him. Give God a big round of applause. He's certainly deserving of it. I want to thank our praise team for leading us in worship. I'll have an introduction in a moment to my message, but I just want to dive right into this incredible story, Matthew chapter 15. I've been preaching since I was 12 years old. But I've never preached from this story, and today's the day. So it's been building up for a long time, all right? What an awesome story this is, Matthew chapter 15. When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came, and she kept crying out, "'Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David.'" My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. But Jesus didn't say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, send this woman away because she's just, she just keeps crying out after us. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me. Now, I want you to hang on to that because that's where we're going to end today. But what, what an awesome prayer to pray. Lord, help me. And if you don't know of any other prayer to pray this day, I think that might be a good place to pray. Lord, help me. He answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great, so let it be done for you what you ask. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. How about an amen for that? What a great, great story. Lord, I pray that today we would not only understand biblically what mega faith is, 
I pray that we would have that kind of faith in our own life. So Lord, as I speak on the outside, would you speak into our hearts, change our lives, and meet our needs? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been preaching a short series of messages on women who met Jesus. These are just real-life stories of ladies in the New Testament who not only encountered Jesus, but their lives were changed by his grace, his mercy, and his power. We've already looked at both Mary and Martha, two sisters, and different accounts of their encounter with Jesus. Today we're going to talk about this lady who had great faith, or as I'm calling it, mega faith. What an incredible story. One key verse that stands out is verse 26. Jesus said, it is not right to take the children's bread or food and throw it to the dogs. Now, this may be one of the strangest things Jesus ever said. It happened when he ventured outside of the confines of Israel and entered into this Gentile region called Tyre and Sidon. Mark gives us his account of this story, and Mark tells us that Jesus had retired to a house. Apparently, Jesus was just worn out. You ever get worn out? Do you ever become weary and well-doing? Well, Jesus was worn out, and so he went to this region where he thought he could be alone and kind of recover and recoup and have his spiritual batteries charged up, but it didn't work because word was out for Jesus. Word had spread that here was a man who performed miracles, who had supernatural power, who could heal sick people and even raise people from the dead. Even in this Gentile territory, people knew about his ministry. And that's why this one particular woman came to Jesus. She is called a Canaanite woman. In Mark's gospel, he calls her a Syrophoenician woman. It simply means she was a descendant from the Canaanites who from the Old Testament were mortal enemies of the Jewish people. Now, this lady had a whole lot of things against her the day she came to see Jesus. Number one, Jesus had come into that region to rest, not to minister. He needed a vacation. And so he didn't go there specifically to perform miracles. The second strike she had against her is that she was a pagan, an infidel, a Gentile, a Canaanite. She wasn't a Jew. And then the third problem she had is that she was a woman, not a man. Now, that that brussels some of you right now. You know what? That's the way it was in his day. Women didn't have nearly the rights that men did. And certainly a woman had no right to approach a Jewish rabbi and ask him anything, even speak to him. But you know what? Even though there was no reason to think Jesus would help her, she came anyway because she had a need and she believed Jesus could meet her need. And so let's look again at how Matthew starts to describe this story in verse 21. Jesus left that place and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that area or region came to him and she began to do what? She was shouting. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, because my daughter is tormented by a demon. Now, 
Every parent can understand this. If you have a sick child, and Mark's gospel tells us this was a little girl, not a teenage girl, not a grown girl. She was a little girl. If you have a sick child, how far are you going to go to help your son or your daughter? To ask that question is to answer that question. It's not a matter of time or distance or even money. When your son is sick or your daughter is ill, you will do whatever it takes to get them well. Come on, mamas. Yeah. I I remember having a conversation with a pediatrician. And he said, Will, when your child is sick, you don't care about test results or x-rays or percentages or new medicines or research protocols or anything like that. People just want to know one thing when their baby is sick. Is my baby going to be okay? (laughs) Because nothing else matters at that point. Now, we have no idea how this woman's daughter came to be tormented by a demon. But, but somehow this little girl's life had been infested with this malignant evil spirit. And it was not a matter of medicine, for no medicine can cast out a demon. This was a spiritual issue. This problem was supernatural. And only a miracle could help this baby girl. And that's why this mama came to Jesus on this day. Now, I don't know about you, but I love stories of miracles in the Bible. I love to read about miracles, huh? Because usually when there is a miracle happening in the Bible, it all ends well. Are you with me? And don't we love stories like that? But this one starts in a very strange way. Jesus' response to this woman seems peculiar. In fact, it even seems a bit cruel. Did our Lord not believe this woman's story? Did Jesus not care about this baby girl? Well, the most obvious way to answer those questions is to observe that our Lord used various methods when he encountered different people. Let me put it this way. Jesus treated each person he met as an individual. Because that's the way God made us, as individuals. That's why he dealt with Nicodemus in one way, and he dealt with the woman at the well in a totally different way. Yet another way, he dealt with the deaf-mute, and another way, he dealt with blind Bartimaeus and even Zacchaeus. You see, Jesus met people where they were, and he found a way to communicate with them spiritual truth on their level so that they could understand it. And buddy, that's good news for us today. Because it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your problem is, Jesus is in this place and he can communicate with you. He can talk to you right where you are. Really to understand how Jesus dealt with this Canaanite woman, you've got to answer a couple of questions that emerge from this story. As I read the story over and over this past week, two, two questions kept coming back to my mind. And, and maybe you've already asked yourself these two questions. So let's ask them and answer them, all right? 
Question number one, why was Jesus silent? Why, why didn't Jesus initially answer or respond to this woman? Matthew makes it very clear at this point. When the woman came up to him begging for help, Jesus just ignored her. He didn't answer her. In fact, verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer her a word. Some translations say Jesus didn't say a single word to her. So here's the scenario. This woman comes up to Jesus begging Jesus for a miracle. She is, she's saying a prayer. She's asking God for something. And nothing happens. He doesn't say anything. I think that's happened to all of us in this room, hasn't it? There have been numerous times in my Christian life that I've gone to the throne room of grace. I've called out on God, I've begged, I've prayed, I've pleaded, I've bargained, I've asked God, I've, I've sought him, I've knocked. And you know what I get? <laughs> A big old nothing. It's like heaven is silent and, and I don't hear anything. Listen, church, when that happens, you must not let your feelings rule your heart. Jesus did not speak immediately to this Canaanite woman, but he heard everything she said. His silence was meant to draw out her faith. In the end, she got what she wanted, and her daughter was healed. But understand this, God's silence does not always mean God's refusal. Okay, that was good. Okay, that was really good. You need to understand that principle. God's silence does not always mean he's saying no to you. In this case, Jesus wanted to draw out this woman's faith. He wanted to strengthen her faith, not only for her benefit, but also for the benefit of his disciples. As far as his disciples were concerned, this was just some strange, sad, pagan woman who kept on bothering them. They had little use for this Canaanite woman. But every time they told her to hush or to keep her mouth shut, she cried out louder for more mercy, begging for her daughter. The more they brushed her off, the more determined she became. Bully for her. Way to go, mama. Yeah, really, we can turn the question around this way. Why doesn't God always answer our prayers the first time we pray them? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, why, why doesn't God, if God really loves me, when I ask him for something, why doesn't he give it, give it to me? When I, when I immediately pray the prayer, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Well, I think he doesn't do that for two reasons. Number one, if he always gave you what you wanted, you would be nothing but a spoiled brat. And I could elaborate on that a little bit, but I'm a grandparent now, and us grandparents like doing stuff like that. The other thing is this. If God always gave you exactly what you wanted when you asked for it, we, we would come out with the perception that all God is is this celestial genie who's going to give us anything we want. And that is not the way it is. 
In fact, go over to the New Testament, James chapter 5, verse 16. It reminds us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The word fervent there has the idea of boiling. It means to have your soul so stirred up that you can't think of anything else. And who understands that better than the mother of a sick child? who will stop at nothing. She will not take no for an answer. She's going to carry her sick baby from one doctor to another doctor. She's going to ask her friends to pray. She's going to post it on Facebook. She's going to tweet about it. She's going to get on Instagram and ask everyone, please pray for my baby. Beg God for a miracle. You know, I really thought I'd be connecting with you more at this point. Apparently, you've never done that for your kids. Boy, I have. We've raised three kids, and you know, kids, kids get sick, don't they? And I, I can remember for all three of my kids when, when they're just burning up with a fever or, or something terribly is wrong with them, or they have a physical ailment. I can remember praying to God, Lord, take their fever and put it on me. Take it away from them and put it on me. Take their pain away from them and give it to me. Every parent understands that. Because nothing renders us more helpless than watching our kids suffer. And so we beg God. We plead with God. We even start bargaining with God for our own flesh and blood. Because you tell me, what, what else do we do when our children are suffering? In those dreadful, long hours of the morning, we really don't care what other people think or what they say or the whispers behind our back to try to attempt to stop us. We don't care about any of that. All we care about is our sick baby. Nothing matters to us except seeing our babies get whole again. So really what Jesus is doing here, he's putting this woman's faith on trial. What's she going to do? Is she going to turn around and leave? Is she going to walk away in despair? Or is she going to keep on asking? Church delay does not always mean denial. There was a yes hidden under that silence. But she had to show her faith in order to get her miracle. Faith only grows when it's tested. I mean, listen to me, if, if, if your life was, was a downhill slide with the wind at your back and you never had to learn how to persevere or fight or your faith was never tested, you would be a spiritual wimp. Our faith only gets strong and it's only built up when it's exercised, when it is put to the test. Her faith was made stronger by the travail of her soul because when God delays a blessing, he's not denying it. That denial may be necessary preparation for you to receive the miracle a little bit later on. So why was Jesus silent? He was putting her faith to the test. What's she going to do? Is she going to give up, walk away? Or is this mama going to dig her heels in and keep on asking Keep on begging, keep on praying. The second question, 
It's a pretty good one. Why did Jesus call this lady a dog? And there's no doubt that the greatest challenge of this story is him calling her a dog. So let's just face it squarely. Jesus calls this Gentile woman a dog. Look, look at what he said in verse 26. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Jesus, that's mean. That's a mean tweet. If Jesus posted that on Facebook, he'd be censored and banned. That's just mean talk, Jesus. <laughs> well, the word translated dogs refers to a household pet, not to wild dogs. You, you could even translate it as puppies. That may sound better to your ears. I don't know. But you ask yourself a question. Would you rather be considered a child at the table or a dog under the table fighting for crumbs? So was Jesus being mean? Was he being cruel to this woman? Well, you got to understand two truths. First of all, Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He came in fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and promises to Israel. That's why Jesus said in verse 24, I am sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said that specifically for this woman to hear. I wasn't sent to perform miracles to Gentiles, to Syrophoenician women, to Canaanites. I was only sent to the lost house of Israel. Paul alludes to this in Romans 1.16 where he talks about the gospel being to the Jew first. And we make a mistake if we try to dilute Jesus' mission as the Messiah of Israel. That's why he came, to the Jew first. He came first for them, but he did not come only for them. That's why Paul continues in Romans 1.16 and includes the phrase, but also for the Greek. He came first to the Jew, but also for the Greek. Praise God for that. Meaning it includes us. God always intended to include Gentiles in his plan of salvation, but he started with the Jews. And so when he said that, I have only come for the lost sheep of Israel, he was making it really clear to this woman, I did not come to perform miracles for you, I came to perform miracles for God's chosen people. And for some of you, that's still a little offensive. Just get over it, all right? It's the way it was. Number two, Jesus wanted this woman to understand her true condition. And that's why he called her a dog. No one has any claim on the goodness of God. Nobody. No one deserves God's grace. Nobody in this room is deservant of his mercy. And no one deserves heaven. That really has been a major problem for the, from the beginning for all mankind. We all like to think we're better than we are. We like to compare ourselves to that guy down the street 
who we know is a worse sinner than we are. But you know what? God doesn't grade on the curve. When Jesus compares Gentiles to dogs, he is stating to this woman, you need to admit your true condition. So here's what Jesus is saying to this Syrophoenician woman. Do you understand that you are completely outside of the covenant of God's grace and you have absolutely no claim on me or any miracle I might choose to perform? Now, I can heal your daughter, and I'm going to heal your daughter, but only if you acknowledge that you don't deserve it. Lady, you can get your miracle, but it's going to be by grace and by grace alone, period. Now, what seems like an insult really turns out to be a probing question. It's another way of saying, do you admit that you are a sinner and in desperate need of God's grace? That's what he was saying. If the answer is yes, guess what? You can do business with God. But as long as you hold on to the flimsy rags of your own self-righteousness, you can never be saved. Now here's where I'm going to get into trouble with some of you. Because here's the shocking truth. You're a dog. And so am I. Now, you might be a poodle. And I might be an old hound dog, but we're dogs nonetheless. We're like puppies under the table begging for crumbs. If you think you deserve grace, you can never have it. But if you admit that you don't deserve it, you can have all the grace you need. (laughs) And that's where this story becomes so powerful. The woman doesn't dispute what Jesus said. In fact, she agrees with him. Yes, Lord, she exclaimed in verse 27. Now, she could have become indignant. She could have got right back in the grill of Jesus and said to him, Don't you talk to me that way, you pious rabbi. I'm no dog. How many of you would have responded that way? But she didn't. She agreed with Jesus. And guys, let me tell you, if you want to end in the right place, you need to start in the right place. And agreeing with Jesus about your condition is the right place to start. You think about what this woman did. I mean, she never gave up. She never got angry. She never contradicted Jesus. She never accused Jesus of being mean or unfair. She never took offense at being called a dog. Instead of disagreeing with his premise, she says, in effect, says, in effect, you're right, Lord. I am a dog, and I have absolutely no claim on your grace You have no reason at all to listen to me. But then she clinches the argument by what she says in verse 27. But Lord, 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Brilliant. Everybody knows how this works. If you got a dog at your house, they kind of hang around the dinner table hoping somebody's going to drop a scrap on the floor. If there's kids, they're going to be right under those kids' chairs because if the kid doesn't like it, they're going to sneak it down to the, you know. After the family eats, the dog gets the leftovers. You know? We've all, I've always had a dog, David, always. Until recently, all of our dogs died. I told first service people, I'm about to get me another dog. Angie doesn't want us to have another dog. It's, it's caused a little division in our family, but she finally, she finally said, just get a dog. So I'm, I'm going to get a dog at the end of this week. Anyway, I've always had a little dog. And I can remember as a, as a, as a boy, we had a poodle. I don't know how old I was when we got that dog, but it was a poodle dog and white, and y'all let me name it, and I, I, was, I think I was trying to say pretty, but I called it pooty. It's pooty. Instead of saying it's pretty, it's pooty. And so that, that became the dog's name, Danny Pooty. P-O-O-D-I-E, Pooty. Pooty was my buddy. <clears throat> I thought he was the best dog in the world. He slept at the end of my bed. I made a dip pack with him every night. I said, because I was, I was scared a little kid, I'd say, okay, Pootie, I'm going to watch the door. You watch the windows. <laughs> I, th- I thought Pootie was the smartest dog God ever made. But my dad, he called Pootie dumb. <laughs> my dad said, that's the dumbest dog we've ever had. And it, it, it really did bother me. I, I, I would argue with my dad, and finally one morning he said, okay, we're going to give Pootie the dumb dog co- test. And I said, what, what, what is a dumb dog test, Dad? And, and I don't know where my dad got it, but he had a $100 bill, and he pulled it out of his pocket, and he pinched off a piece of a biscuit, and he laid them both down on the floor in front of Pootie, and he said, okay, we're going to see how dumb this dog is. Pootie, which one you want? Of course, Pootie ate the biscuit. And Dad said, there, see, that's a dumb dog. Oh, it bothered me. I said, Dad, let's do it one more time. Remember this, Dad? And so I picked up that $100 bill, and I just rubbed that biscuit all over that $100 bill, put a little, put a little jelly on it, and we laid it back down. Pootie still took the biscuit. I mean, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess he was a dumb dog. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Dogs may be dogs, but dogs still get fed, right? And she's asking for the crumbs of grace that would heal her baby daughter. She accepts her position. She admits her need. She agrees with Jesus, but she never gives up. Way to go, Mama. That leads to the remarkable end of this story, verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was immediately healed. And when Jesus says, great is your faith, he used a Greek word who has as its root the word mega. Literally, Jesus said, lady, you've got mega faith. 
In fact, it is the only time Jesus used that particular word to describe anybody's faith. What are the chances a Canaanite woman would have mega faith? But she did. And that's why Jesus praised her. Her desperation drove her to Jesus. Not even being called a dog would keep her away from her miracle. So the focus in this story is on this mama and her faith. Not on the little girl who was demon-possessed. We're told in verse 28 that she was healed. But as far as we know, Jesus never saw the daughter or met the daughter. He just healed her on the basis of her mama's faith. Mega faith. You know what that means? Let every parent in this room take this to heart. You need to be praying for your kids. If you've got grandbabies, you need to be praying for your grandchildren. Why? Because God hears the prayers of parents and grandparents who have great faith. Sometimes when our children rebel and walk away from the Lord, we feel so hopeless. But listen to me, friend. As long as you can pray, we have an almighty God at our disposal. So you need to be praying for your kids. You need to be praying for your grandbabies. In fact, here in a moment when we have a prayer time, there ought to be a whole lot of you who come and pray for yours. Because let me ask you this, if you don't pray for them, who's going to? God hears the prayer of faith from a parent. Now, I'm about to shut this thing down, but before I do, I want to give you four truths that you can put in your hip pocket and take home with you. Remember these four things. Number one, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Nobody. Even people who today seem so hopeless and far away. You're you're not out of reach of God's grace. So look at me. I don't care who you are or where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or the sin that is in your life right now. God's grace is available to you. And you can have all the grace you need if you admit who you are and what you need. That brings me to number two. When we come to God, we must come on his terms and not our own. As long as we think we deserve God's grace, God's salvation, we're going to be turned away. So understand who you are. I'm not going to say you're a dog again, but I am going to say this you're a sinner. We all are. For all have sinned and come short of the grace of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And for you to receive what you need the most today, that's the start. That's the beginning part. You've got to admit, I've got a need. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. So you come on his terms, not your own. Number three, Jesus invites us to come to him today for the mercy we need. And can I say that grace and that mercy is available? All you've got to do is come and ask for it. And number four, anyone can have mega faith. You just got to dig your heels in and keep trusting Jesus and keep praying and keep begging 
and your faith will grow, you can be just like this lady. And Jesus can say to you, based on your faith, your prayers are answered. I'm going to end this passage with a very, very important verse, number 25. Here's this lady's prayer. Say it with me on three. One, two, three. Lord, help me. That's what she prayed. Lord, help me. When you don't know what else to pray, that's a pretty good prayer. And maybe you need to come and pray that prayer today. Lord, help me. Heavenly Father, as we just become truthful and honest and transparent with you today, I pray that your grace would be sufficient, that you would meet our needs. I pray that we would come just as we are and say, Lord, help me. There are some who need to come and ask you for forgiveness, for cleansing. Some who need to come and be saved. Others who just need to come and ask for help in doing life. There are some parents in this room who, like this Syrophoenician woman, are going to come to you today and intercede for their kids and their grandkids. Lord, hear their prayer and answer their prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. As you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed and the praise team sings, don't, don't wait. Just when you stand up, go ahead and step out and come and pray that prayer, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Come and pray for your kids.
Lord, we do believe. We do believe. And we ask for your help today. Lord, I know all through this room and, and even those who are watching online, they're, they're pleading with you right now. They're, they're praying. They're asking, Lord, meet this need. Be with my child. Be with my grandbaby. And so, Lord, I just lift all of our requests up to you. Lord, I pray for my own kids, especially today. Be with my kids. I pray the armor of God on them. Help us to wear the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, help us to put on the helmet of salvation, carrying the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Lord, you know our hearts. Please, Lord, meet our needs. Lord, as a church, we lift up baby Jimmy to you today. That baby needs a miracle. So touch her body. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us speaking to our hearts. Challenge us to be the the people you've called us to be. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said but an amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a second. about that. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here today and worshiping with us. If you are a guest, make sure you stop by the Connect counter. We have a gift for you, and we'll answer any question you have about our church. When you walk out of the room for church members, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. 
Tonight at 6.30 on Facebook Live, Ronnie Fox is going to be teaching a lesson, so tune in for that. Come Wednesday night at 7. Uh, if, if you've been attending Kavanaugh for a while and you're interested perhaps in joining our church, we ask that everybody go through a Connect class. Uh, we're going to do the Connect class on Wednesday night, the next two Wednesday nights, but we're going to do it for our whole church. We did this about five years ago, and I think it's good for everyone to be reminded of who we are and what we believe, okay, and how you can be involved in this church. So especially for those of you who are new, want to find out more about the church, be here Wednesday night at 7. For the rest of you, come. It's, it's going to be a good reminder. I'll be teaching uh, this first session this Wednesday on the faith and doctrine and history of Free Will Baptist, what we believe, where we actually came from, and then the unique history of Kavanaugh Church, which I love to talk about. We've got a rich history at Kavanaugh here. So come Wednesday night, looking forward to that. All right? Sound good? Remember, I love you, the staff loves you, but most of all, God loves you. Walk with him this week. We'll see you.